here we go. Board. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Welcome back, motherfuckers, and uh, and hello, friends. We'll, hello. we'll go with hello, friends. We have a special treat for these motherfuckers today. We have Senior. We have Jack's dad on the podcast today. Yep. But we will refer to him as Senior, so you don't get a confused. yeah. So what I'm not saying, well, Jack, Jack, you know, so or so Papa. Yeah, or Papa, yeah. Yep. So um, so Senior's here, man, and uh, and we've talked this up. We've had a lot of this has been a long time in the fucking making. So oh yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, today we are going to drink, um, Ezra Brooks. So this was a gift from the Halloween party. Yes, from Lance. Lance's friend, friend Casey. Mm-hmm. She said, hey, I heard you guys drink whiskey and here's what I like. So, yeah. uh, this Ezra Brooks, Brooks I was going to kind of keep for myself, but Lance said, hey man, why don't you drink that on the show? Absolutely. So, thanks Lance. Um... So yeah, man. So this is uh, it's ninety nine proof, uh, and so that's forty nine and a half percent for all of you guys who don't math. And uh, I don't know, man. We're gonna fucking try it out. She said this is her favorite, so okay. I figure I'll pour us all up a little glass, and uh, you know how I pour. So I'll pour us all up a little glass, and we will uh, we'll get this fucking thing going. Yeah, pour Trey Glazer. Trey Glazer. Trey Glazer. So. Um, Obviously, my dad has kind of been around the world and done a lot of things. We laugh and joke that he's he's a renaissance man in every sense of the word. He's a, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, a hunter, a carpenter. He's done a lot of the things. So He has so many funny and colorful stories, which is why we wanted to bring him on. So we are gonna, we're going to talk through those. There we go. Cheers to this. Cheers. Here we go. Good to have you here, Senior. So, so before we get into it, we uh, let's see this. Let's try this. Is it good? Oh, that's easy. That's fucking. Oh, that's trouble. That's yeah, yeah. That's thank you, Casey. Trouble. Uh, good fucking call. Um, so we uh, so we have a tradition here where we have this box full of questions that uh, our wives, our wives, and some listeners have brought in. And we read one on the air, and then we all answer it. So you get the honors of picking a question today, and we will all answer it. All right. What's something you always wanted to do as a child, but never got to do it? Boy. <laughs> this is going to be a fun question with my dad in the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, let's fucking... Let's... Are we going to talk about Pixie Hollow? <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> Because he stares at me. Yeah, son, what did you want to do? Yeah, what did you want to do, Jack? <laughs> we always get good questions. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, we do. Oh, that's a good one. Um, You know, when you're a child, you have unrealistic fucking... Like, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Sure. Or a firefighter. I wanted to be a herpentologist. I don't even know what that is. That is somebody who studies reptiles. Because I was always catching lizards <laughs> and putting them in my pockets. And I have like a way with animals. I would catch wild animals and they were just calm with me. Hmm. I had a boa constrictor and I would put her around my neck and she would circle around my neck and just sit there like a scarf for hours. So I always want to be a herpetologist, but something that I wanted to do like for fun or an event. 
no idea. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I look at the lives our kids have today, and they're pretty fucking spoiled, but... You know, well, I can't even imagine what the 40s were like, so I can't wait to hear what you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, what would you want to do, Dad? I always wanted to drive a race car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh... And I ended up doing it. Did you? Yeah. Yes, I did. Huh. Yeah. I drove a, a 37 Ford flathead on a dirt track. In New York State and New Jersey and Pennsylvania tracks. Made a few bucks. Now, you actually have a funny story, though, about weren't you getting towed to a race? Yes. Well, back then, we had to uh, flat tow the car because mm. we didn't, couldn't afford a trailer. So the car had a, a tow bar, mm -hmm. and it sat on the back of a pickup truck. And the state required that if you're flat towing a car, you have to have somebody in the driver's seat in case, <laughs> in case okay. the tow bar breaks or in case something happens and you've got a car with nobody in it, 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 it could be pretty dangerous. Right. So I said, well, I'm, I'll be the guy. You were the driver. I was a anyway. driver, so I said, I'll just stay in my car. And one of the things that we did was we pulled the axles out of the back, the actual axles out of the back axle housings so that it could never be in gear. It was just free freewheeling. Okay. So I would get in the car, but the car didn't have any glass. It just had wire for a windshield, like turkey wire or welded wire sure. to catch the mud clogs and not hit you in the <laughs> face while you were driving on the track. So it had no glass. So at night, it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would wrap up in a blanket and a, and a hoodie and buckle up on the seatbelt and ride in the car and sleep while they towed me to the next track because we raced Friday nights, Saturdays, and Sundays. And we went to three different tracks. So this particular incident, we were heading toward Langhorne, Pennsylvania from Middletown, New York. It was a long tow. And about 3.30 in the morning, the tow hitch broke. Hmm. And when it broke, it let... it let me go but I was sound asleep and the car went down the hill through the bar ditch caught a barbed wire fence and the car went out into a pasture on its wheels with probably a hundred feet of barbed wire <laughs> fence all wrapped on the nose of the car so the guys come stopped of course and came back and and uh, they went, well, what the hell are we going to do? So at that hour, we put the axles back in the car. Mm. I started the car up. We, I drove the car back out of that pasture, left the all terrible mess, drove it out of the pasture, got it back on the road. We did a makeshift fix on the tow bar and got out of there. Huh. And I... Uh, 
no idea where those hundred cows ever ended up. <laughs> Some rancher's real fucking pissed off with you. <laughs> He's telling his grandkids a similar story. Yeah. Some fucking asshole blew through here. <laughs> Probably drunk one night. <laughs> I just wake up and all the cattle are gone and my fence is broke. What the hell? There's tire tracks everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, he probably thought you were just some fucking asshole playing around in his field. But yeah. it took us an hour to get a, get the thing saved, and it was still dark when we left, so the poor guy, I have no idea what he faced. Yeah. I hope that his grandchildren listen to this story. I hope they do. We go, <gasps> we know the guy. We solved the mystery. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a it was a, an accident in the middle of the night, not somebody out there fucking around. Yeah, no one was messing with you. Yeah, so sorry. We, we, yeah. we apologize. Yeah, we feel yeah. bad, kind of. So, <laughs> kind of. So, what we want to do is, Senior has so many funny stories. Like I oh said, my God, I mean, forever. we've sat around and like, so Dad went hunting with us in Alaska, and we were sitting in the tent one night, telling stories and laughing and joking. And his stories are just great because they were from an era when it was a very different world than what we live in now. And oh not, yeah, and. It, they're just hilarious. We've heard these stories many times. He's going to tell some of my favorite stories on this episode, but we're going to do a recurring thing yep. where we're going to have him come back and tell us some more stories. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so people kind of know who you are, just the basics. You don't have to go into any right. detail. All right, no problem. I, I was born in November of 1942, and uh, of course you all know that in December... Of the previous year was when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, so I was a World War II baby. Uh-huh. And uh, so during the war years, uh, my dad worked for Curtis Wright, which built aircraft motors for the military, and my dad was uh, an, did some engineering on a variable pitch prop setup so that you could feather a, a an airplane motor and turn the props so that if the motor blew up, the props wouldn't turn and tear the plane up. So he ended up being shipped all over the country. So sometimes if he was going to have a long term, we'd follow him. My mom and my daughter, my sister and I, of course I was little. And uh, one of the places we ended up was in Alameda, California. And we took a train to get to Alameda, and the train actually went across, the railroad actually crossed the Great Salt Lake in Utah. And I think the most frightening thing to my mother, although I was pretty small, so I don't have any recollection of it, they, was, they, had, they pulled our train off onto a siding which was rocking and rolling in, in the lake, and to let another train go by, and my mother said that was a pretty frightening thing. There's another story that uh, Jack wants me to talk about that occurred in Alameda. My mother needed to do something for a living, so she decided to do ceramics. And she opened a little ceramic thing, to keep herself busy and took me to work with her. And so I was in a playpen in there and then we, she'd walk me and we'd go to the bus and go back to wherever we lived and all that. And one day 
She was waiting for the bus. A car pulled up. A guy jumped out of the car, grabbed me, jumped back in the car, and they started to drive away. I'm only repeating this because that's what I was told. I was too small. I, when I was a baby, I had a whole head full of platinum blonde ring locks hair. Uh -huh. So here I am. And these guys grabbed me and started to drive away in the car. And back then, the cars had running boards. And my mother jumped on the running board of the car while it was pulling away and started screaming. <laughs> and she didn't get off and she didn't let go and kept screaming. And they pulled over and they handed me back to her and said, <laughs> he's all yours. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, crazy lady. <laughs> to paint the picture, Grammy Kay, dad's mom, was like five foot nine. Yeah. And she, Grammy Kay, has like Ella's eyes. Mm -hmm. They're like piercing blue eyes. And, and Grammy, jet black hair. Yeah. And she's was the sweet. If she would get upset, she'd go, oh, bother. <laughs> I, I don't ever think she swore in her life. Huh. So I can imagine her hanging off of an old car. <laughs> <laughs> Give me back my babies. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So uh, anyway, that, that's, that's part of my early beginnings. Sure. Uh, we lived in New, ended up living in northern New Jersey in a real small town and had a big property. And uh, I graduated from high school in New Jersey. I went, decided I was going to be a school teacher. Why? I haven't got a goddamn clue <laughs> why I wanted to do that. But so I went to Patterson State Teachers College in New Jersey. And in my sophomore year, and um, I needed something to do, and I'm not a big dude, so I didn't do the football thing. I got into fencing hmm. and uh, got good, pretty good at it. My choice of weapon was an epee. So uh, I fenced and was part of the AFLA, American Fencing League of America, and I competed in college with other colleges. Hmm. And... Uh, what in the world happened? Oh, I know what happened. In my sophomore year, they sent me out practice teaching, which they did to all sophomores, to give them a taste of where they would likely end up. So my downfall was I was uh, born in November, and my mother got me into school when I was four. Okay because I was gonna turn five in November, yeah. and the schools let me in. So when I graduated from high school, I was 17. When I went practice teaching, I was 19. And they sent me to a high school to practice teach in front of a classroom full of young ladies <laughs> that were two years younger than me in skirts. <laughs> Do I need to go any farther? No, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I struggled so badly that I got dismissed <laughs> from Patterson State Teachers College for low scholarship. 
And when I got dismissed, my father was pretty close to strangling me <laughs> because he never went to college. And I was the firstborn son, and I needed to go to college, and it didn't work out in my sophomore year. So the best thing I could do was go in the Navy and did my time in the Navy and ended up doing some time in the Vietnam conflict. And at the end of the Vietnam, well, during the Vietnam conflict, I got out of the Navy in 1968, and I left the Navy with Bell's Palsy, which is, uh, back then I was smoking, and Bell's Palsy hit me, and the effects of Bell's Palsy were I couldn't blink my right eyelid, and I couldn't close my mouth around a cigarette hmm. to draw and light the cigarette. And that's when I thought, something wrong. <laughs> so the Navy let me go, and uh, I, they took care of me at Syracuse VA Center. And uh, I went on from that into uh, engineering for hydraulics. My parents moved to Rochester, New York. I took a local out to Rochester, New York from the Navy. I worked for Gleason Works in Rochester, New York, and I designed hydraulic systems for machinery. Uh, and from that, I got tired of Rochester in 200 inches of snow. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> so I, went, I decided to go to Cape Cod, where I spent all my summers as a youth at my grandfather's cottage in Craigville Beach. And I went there and found a job and went to work for a Cadillac dealer. And he said, they finally came up to me about a month later and they said, uh, you need to find something else to do because you don't know enough about cars to work here. <laughs> so I went to work for a carpenter. And that's been the rest of my career. Yeah. It's construction carpentry and my the last 25 years I have was a principal and director in a huge architectural firm and I was in charge of construction administration mm. and they retired me last year and then put me on contract the same day <laughs> and I handle their claims mm. now the folks in Podcast land can't see dad, but if you can't do math correctly, he's 81 years old. Yeah. And he still works for HMC. I still do. But they also, on the East Coast, because they summer in Cape Cod, they oversee the rebuilding of historical homes, modernizing and rebuilding of historical homes. That's correct. In fact, I am a commissioner for the town of Barnstable on the Barnstable historic commission and I'm also on the Hyannis Main Street waterfront historic commission and it's my job to see that we maintain the historic history architecture and and that sort of thing in a in a really really cool area so, so yeah they're awesome that, that's what I do they're awesome their houses are Brad. The one that he they finished not too long ago sold for $3 million. Oh, yeah, is that it? <laughs> That's it. Just chop, chop, you know. And the one I live in was built in 1875. 
Okay. And I can't wait to go see it. Yeah, we're going to get you guys out there. Yeah, yeah, you'll love it. So, so why don't we deep dive into some of these uh, some of these stories, man? And we got them written on the board behind Senior over here. We have we have three podcasts worth of stories written on the board, and I probably have five more podcasts in my phone, and he probably has ten more oh, in his yeah. head. Yeah, I, I have so. a great hunting one of you in Colorado. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that one too. But my probably my favorite story, and uh, when my uncle was still around, we were back on the East Coast. We did a family Christmas, one family Christmas we did back there. And Dad and Uncle Brad, his brother, got to telling funny stories. And you have to tell the story about Albert. Albert. And, yeah, I'll let you take it from there because it's, right. it's too good. Okay. This Albert happened when I was probably 10 and we were living in northern New Jersey in a little town called Pompton Plains and we had massive 70 foot tall maple trees and we had a pretty big piece of property and down we had a place down lower than the pad that the house sat on the, the property had a, a, a a six-bedroom house, three stories. It had a huge barn, probably a 4,000-square-foot, two-story barn. It had a windmill, and it had an ice house. And the ice house was something that they built years ago where the, the building was about 20 feet square, and it was a full-story tall with a steep roof for snow. But it had... Uh, six-inch thick insulated walls. It was built in the early 1900s and it had a full basement with a dirt floor. And the reason they called it a nice house was it had no windows, it had no heat, it had no nothing. And they would go out to the lake and they would saw ice blocks out of the frozen lake They'd bring it to the ice house, drop it into that dirt floor basement, cover it with sawdust, and then keep building the layers. And the ice didn't melt. Mm -hmm. So they had ice well into the summer. And, of course, when we lived there, it was no longer in use that way. Mm -hmm. So my dad filled the, base, the hole up that was the ice cavity with dirt, and we used it as a stall for horses. So, uh, and down the hill from the house, we had these huge, uh, on the property line, there were these huge maple leaves, and my dad nicknamed them the Three Graces. They were about 70 feet tall, magnificent maples. Dad worked nights. So we didn't see him during the week. We only saw him during the weekend because kids were in school during the day. And, and uh, he slept during the day, and we'd get home from school, and he'd already be at work, and we'd go to bed, and he'd come home, and, you know, it was that. So I got bored, and I guess my car construction history started then. So I got into building forts. As every young boy does. Yeah. I built forts, and I got pallets, and there was a lumber yard behind the house, and they always had crap pallets and stuff. And 
we would go over there and grab the wood and bring it back and build a fort and all that. So then we decided to build a treehouse. So I got this big massive extension ladder and set it up in the trees, found a nice spot, and I built a, I built a platform up in the trees. And then we decided to enclose the platform and we built sides on it and built a top on it. And then we put a trap door in the floor <laughs> so you could come up the ladder, go through the trap door. My brother, who's five years my junior, was a pain in the butt and was always wanting to be part of everything. And I had friends my age and we were building this thing and it was cool and it was the, it was the place. So we hauled bricks and stones up there and we would play war and we'd go up there <laughs> and we would sound like it's gonna go bad at all <laughs> and we'd pretend there was a pretend enemy and we'd throw bricks and rocks down at them and then we'd lug them back up there i don't know how far off the ground it was well albert erickson was a neighborhood kid and he never played with us a lot but he came over to play one time so uh we were, we were playing around, he wanted to go up in the fort. And I said, no, you can't go up in the fort, you're not part of a club, and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, my brother went up there, who was about five. He went up there like a monkey. Zoom, he was gone, and he was up on the, in the fort. I was on the ground. So Albert got a little belligerent, and uh, Albert said, I'm going up there. And I said, better not. No, my brother's up there, and that's, that's, that's a private place. You shouldn't go, bah, 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 bah. Albert went up the ladder anyway. My brother <laughs> leaned in, into the floor hatch, saw Albert coming up the ladder, dropped the brick. <laughs> it hit Albert. He was looking up. Oh, God. <laughs> fucking worse. That... Brick, um, I'm 81 years old. I can still see it. <laughs> that brick hit Albert at the hairline. And Albert just let go of the ladder. <laughs> and just did a back swan dive. And he, he was probably only 10 feet up in the air. Yeah. Landed on the ground, kind of went... <laughs> So my brother saw that and went, he get the shovel. He started screaming, and I went, huh? And I, I ran over, and Albert had a big egg on his forehead, and it was bleeding, and he was out cold. So Brad came sailing down the ladder. What are we going to do? And I checked Albert out, and I looked at him, and I said, I think he's dead. <laughs> You're right, Jerry. Get the yeah, get shovel. shovel. <laughs> so my brother started crying because <laughs> he, he killed this guy. <laughs> and he said, what are we going to do? And I went, boy, Mom's going to be really upset. Uh, 
I guess we better cover him up. Inside <laughs> the body. So, Albert was out cold. And I'm 10 and Brad's 5. So we dragged Albert over to the brush pile because my father pruned the trees up so that the horses and the sheep and stuff wouldn't mess with the trees. And there was a pile of dead limbs there. We covered Albert up. <laughs> we got them all covered up, and then my mother called. It was time for supper. Okay. So we went up to the house to have supper. And we were at the table, and Mom put the food on the table and all that stuff. I didn't say a word. <laughs> uh, and my brother was really didn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> so my mother sat down and she said, we need to say the blessing before we eat. And she asked my brother, she said, it's your turn to say the blessing. <laughs> and he started to cry. <laughs> and I sat there and went, oh man, I'm going to get the punishment. I didn't see it coming. Here comes the bell. Yeah. Here comes my mother. Uh, my mother did not wait for my father to come home to apply the discipline. Mm. If you did something that she didn't like, she had no problem lighting your butt up. Mm. So I knew something bad was going to happen because <laughs> Albert is out there <laughs> the under, under the brush, right? Taking a dirt nap. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I kept thinking he was going to come through the door all dirty and bawling. And I'm thinking, boy, he's still out there. He really must be dead. So, so my brother started to cry. And my he was inconsolable. <laughs> it was his first murder. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And my, I can understand. My mother finally calmed him down, and my sister was beside herself. She was four years older than me, so she was 14. And my mother finally calmed my brother down enough to say, why are you so upset? And he said, I killed Albert. <laughs> and she said, who's Albert? <laughs> anyway, my sister said, what'd you do with him? <laughs> and my brother said, we covered him with limbs. <laughs> He's in the brush box. <laughs> so my sister jumped up. My mother was just not functioning all of a sudden. And my sister ran outside. And she said, where is he? And Brad said, He's down under the fort. And she ran down there and came and started screaming. My mother heard my sister screaming and went down after after my sister and found out. And Albert wasn't dead at all. <laughs> Albert was really hurting and really dirty and really crying. Didn't know what, what day of the week it was. And Concussion history. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you guys how this works. Yeah. CTE is real, folks. <laughs> yeah.
I stood at the top of a backyard looking at the women down there with Albert. Pretty soon, here comes my mother <laughs> and my sister with Albert. And uh, uh, she had to call his mother, find out what his phone number was, because he wasn't a real popular guy at our house, so my mom didn't even know who Albert <laughs> was. And here he is with this egg and the blood and the dirt, and my brother's saying he killed him. And he looked pretty close to being badly wounded. <laughs> So that's kind of the Albert story. It gets it gets foggy after that. I know that there was some serious discipline. <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> yeah. That's the Albert story. Which I've heard this story I don't know how many times, and it still makes me laugh because I replay it in my mind. Oh yeah. And I always think of like Home Alone two hmm? when they're. Dropping irons and shit. Dropping irons, yeah. but there's one scene where Kevin is throwing bricks, and yeah. we just we just came off the holiday season, so we watched it many times. And he hits Marv in the face with yeah. a brick, and I'm like, oh, that's Albert. Yeah, that's, you killed him. That's Brad <laughs> Albert. That's Uncle Brad Albert. You killed him. You got him. I give the the worst version of the story. If you really wanted to be on the floor, you wanted my mother to tell you the story. Oh, I'm sure. I'm oh sure. my god! But what's funny too? So at that same, we were doing that Christmas thing, and I'm going to tell this. This is a, another Dad Brad story. I'm going to tell it because I got to see it from the outside. Um, Dad was telling a story, and he and Brad said, "Oh, remember that time? Remember that time we shot that duck, and uh, we brought it home, and we told Mom it got hit by a train, and she cooked it, and we ate it." And Grammy looked at both of them and went, what do you mean you told me it got hit by a train? <laughs> Fuck and this. they both... <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen my dad kind of panic. And he was like, oh, fuck. And <laughs> Uncle Brad, all of the color drained from Uncle Brad's face. <coughs> and she looks at him and she goes, Jack, what do you mean? What happened? And my dad went, oh. We were out walking around and I, he had a, a 22 rifle right and he said we saw this duck and he thought well let's shoot that duck and we'll bring it home for dinner and mom's gonna be so proud that we brought something home for dinner mm-hmm. and brad was like well you don't have a hunting license she's gonna get really upset that you shot this duck and i was off the property with a gun yeah mm. so <laughs> he gets this bright idea he shoots the duck bam and he goes brad the train's coming We'll take it over and we'll put it on the tracks and let the tracks cut its feet off. Okay. And we'll tell her that it got hit by a train and then she'll be so proud of us and she'll cook it and we can eat it. And to sit there as like a young teenager, I mean, I don't even know if I was a teenager, and to see my dad get in trouble from his mom for something he did like 60 years ago. It was so funny, and it's such an innocent story, but it was so funny to sit there and actually watch him kind of squirm. And Uncle Brad is such a goody two-shoe. He was, he and my dad couldn't be more opposite. And <laughs> minus Brad, the fact that he killed somebody. <laughs> minus the fact that he killed Albert <laughs> or attempted murder. But <laughs> Uncle Brad, even in that moment, I can see him as a little boy. He just got all squirmy and like, oh, I'm going to oh, get yeah. the belt now. Like, Uncle oh, yeah. Brad, you're... You're 50-something, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure Grammy ain't going to take you around the corner and whoop you with the belt right now. <laughs> but 
One of, the, one of the things that my brother did to sabotage me was <laughs> when he was really young, I got, he was five and I was ten, he was six and I was eleven, and he was a pain. He was always wanting to go with the big boys and yeah. want to play with us and all that. I got mad at him one time, and I put him in the trash can. <laughs> and I called him a son of a bitch. <laughs> well, he started crying and screaming in the trash can, so I let him out. I went and got him out of the trash can. He ran into the house, put his arms around my mother, and looked up at her and said, Mom, you're a son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Who do you think got their ass blistered? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Naturally. So, but again, like, Grammy Kay was like, she was the grandmother you always wanted. She made all these little trinkets for us, all this stuff. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So to her, to have her son hugger and say, you're a son. I think my mom would be like, mm, I'm going to talk to your dad about yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to see about that. But not Grammy. <laughs> so let's do, we'll do one more story. And this one, this one is a multifaceted one. Um, when you were a teenager, you bought a Packard limousine. And there were several adventures with said Packard limousine. So start about how you got it and, and, and where you went from there. All right. There, we had a neighbor. And to give you a little, a, a little idea so you can form a mental picture, the three graces, the trees that the treehouse was in, mm -hmm. was on our property line property across the fence belonged to the neighbor that owned a huge lumber yard that was on the other side of the railroad tracks. And th they were very good friends of, of my parents. And they had a 1946 Packard limousine. And it sat for probably 10 years in their yard, in their, excuse me, in their yard, unused. And uh, I said to my father, God, I'd love to have that Packard. It would be fun to drive it. So he said, well, why don't you go over? And the man, he, he was a, a Dutchman. His name, oh, I know his name. It was Ivor Carlson. And he said, you go over and see Mr. Carlson and see if you can buy that Packard. It's been sitting for all these years. I'll, if he says yes, I'll go over and get it running and we'll bring it over here and you can drive it around on the property. So I went over and I saw Mr. Carlson and I, I said, Mr. Carlson, I'd like to buy that Packard from you so I could drive it over around the barn on our, our place. And he said, you can have her for a dollar. So I came home and told my dad. And my dad said, here's a dollar. And I went over <laughs> and gave Ivor the dollar. And Ivor said, I'll drive it over. Well, I didn't even know it ran. About an hour later, here comes Ivor up the driveway in that 1946 Packard. This this Packard had a straight eight motor, eight cylinders in a row, mm -hmm. 
had a nose on it that was eight feet long. <laughs> a gigantic front seat, a bench front seat, and in the backs of the front seat were jump seats. So you could get into the back of the car and you could pull a seat out of the back of the front seat and sit facing backwards. Mm -hmm. oh. And at the and then in the body of the car, the back seat was back far enough from the front seat that the jump seats could come out and people could sit without their legs hitting each other. Sure. And the damn car had flower vases in the doorposts. <laughs> and it had window shades with a string and a round ring thing that you could pull the shades down to keep the sun out of the back seat. It was a cool car. So I got the Packard, and it ran, and Ivor brought it there, and Dad took me down to the gas station, and for 10 cents we got three gallons of gas. <laughs> filled the Packard up, and then Dad showed me how to drive it, and it was a stick shift, so I had to learn how to drive a clutch. And then I would drive it around the barn. We had a big, the driveway came up from the house, went all the way to the back of the property. It went all the way around the barn. It passed the windmill and the ice house. And just, it was like a number nine okay. in reverse. Oh. <clears throat> so I had a racetrack. And a Packard, a 46 Packard yeah. limousine. That probably weighed 8,000 pounds. It was a, well, it wasn't long before my buddies decided we were going to drive that Packard together. We, like a we, team. Yeah, yeah. this is our car now. <laughs> this, is our, this is our car. I'll give yeah. you 25 cents to go go 25% in on the Packard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so the boys said, well, you know how to do the transmission, but how about if we blindfold you? <laughs> And you run the clutch and the transmission, and Jeff will lay on the floor and run the gas pedal, and Eddie, in the back seat, will reach over your shoulder and steer it, and they'll let drive it around the barn. <laughs> well, yes. all us monkeys are going to find this football, are you ready? <laughs> you can't believe the size of the rut we created around that barn. But uh, there were a few occasions when we hit the barn. So oh, yeah, naturally. Not, not, not seriously, but we hit the barn. With that 8,000-pound battering <laughs> ram? Yeah, with, with, with a monster. Yeah. So I think what you want me to do is to tell you what happened a few years later. Yes. And a few years later, we were all going into high school. Mm -hmm. And your only way to get to high school was to walk. Or ride your bicycle. Hmm. So Sandy Nimmo, that was his last name actually, it was Nimmo. Sandy Nimmo and I and uh, Dr. Carlson's boy across the street decided, can we take that Packard school? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this bike. <laughs> so I went, I went into the barn. And my father collected old license plates. 
<laughs> so I grabbed a couple of license plates, put them on the Packard. Like mismatched license plates? Uh, like, put them like on the Packard. The it didn't matter. It's <laughs> a minor detail. It's just a license plate, right? Yeah, trying like, to get a license plate. Uh, yeah, I had a license plate. <laughs> yeah. I, I put them on the Packard, and one day it was like, we're going to take the Packard. So they showed up with their lunch and their books and their stuff, and we got in the Packard and took off and drove it to school, parked it in the school parking lot, and went to class. Came out of, out of school. By the time we got out of school, everybody knew mm -hmm. about the Packard. <laughs> so we got in the Packard. There was about eight of us in the Packard. And I was going to drop all my friends off, and this was, this was bitching. So we took off out of the school and got about a mile from the school. And Chief Sweetman, who was the chief of police for Pompton Plains, New Jersey, pulled me over. Huh. And he walked up to the car and he said, uh, how you guys doing? Said, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> there was eight of us in <laughs> We said, we're doing great. And he said, do you have a driver's license? And I said, no. And he said, oh, okay. Well, he said, let me walk around the car. And he said, well, you got a Michigan plate from 1944 on the front and a Pennsylvania plate on the back from 1936. <laughs> Seems legit. Have a nice day. <laughs> like, Thank you, officer. He said, I think we need to leave the car here and you boys need to walk home. And he said to me, I'm going to take you home. Oh. And I went, okay. So we <laughs> got in the police car and he had the keys to the Packard and he went home and knocked on the door and my mother came out and she had that look like, what? Yeah. What next? What did Jack do? Yeah. <laughs> and Chief Sweetman was a, a cool guy, and he just said, Priscilla, my mother's name was Priscilla. He said, Priscilla, Jack and the boys took the car to school today. Hmm. And she was incredulous. She went, what? And he said, yeah, I, he said, yeah, yeah they're, they're all fine. Here are the keys to the Packard, and it told her where it was. And uh, he said, I'm not going to cite Jack because he was honest. Well, that's nice. <laughs> but when you get an opportunity, you need to bring that car home. And when you're ready to do it, or when, when your husband gets home, when he's ready to do it, call us and we will escort him and he can drive it home. Mm. Well, that's the packing story. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? Not today. <laughs> Which is the funny thing why we want to bring him in and have him tell us the stories because we did dumb stuff when we were kids. Yeah, not, but not anything like this. No, like and and as generations go, like the things that you do that are more daring change. Oh yeah. Like uh, like my parents weren't buying me a car that I could fucking drive around the barn <laughs> for a dollar. For a dollar, like yeah, no, and, and I couldn't fill up a car for ten cents. So I mean, like. It, it, uh, it was different times. It was a different world. People, people respected each other. They, uh, it was 
a, a very polite society. Okay. Because uh, we're talking early 50s. Right, yeah. So, so this is... This is really something that happened in kind of America that was over the war. Sure. And and things were good. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, like Americana. That's what people yeah. think of like Americana, you know. Yeah. Well, Elvis that's, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. In the. It was wonderful to yeah. grow up in that era. Yeah. It was wonderful to grow up in. And here we are. Here we are now. <laughs> Giving participation trophies to children. Don't get us started. Sorry. Everybody's a good guy. <laughs> Everybody's okay. Yeah. Everyone's safe. Thanks so. for showing up. <laughs> good. Well, I think what we're going to do, again, like we said, we have so many stories. Yeah. We're going to put a pin in this one today. Um, we are going to do... The next one, we're going to talk more about some carpentry stories yeah. with Dad. Some funny carpentry, some funny stories, but some, some pretty amazing... And interesting stories that really kind of showcase how different the world was. Right, back then. Back then. But yeah. yesteryear. Yesteryear. But yeah. for some, we'll, we'll do some, we'll thank Senior. Thank you, Senior, for coming out and hanging out with thank us. Thank you for having me. And drinking. Of course, and drinking. <laughs> and we'll do some real quick shameless promotions. Yeah, we might as well. Instagram, Shattered Wisdom Podcast. TikTok, Shattered Wisdom. Facebook, Shattered Wisdom. X, at Shattered Wisdom. Uh, again, too, please send in your questions. We've got some questions in the box from listeners. Yeah, we'll figure them out eventually. We'll pull one someday. Yep, we're getting some swag from some folks, and yep. we're getting some swag here, but we've, we're looking at downloads. We're doing well. Exponentially growing. Yeah. So continue to tell your friends. Yeah, and hey, thanks for all the new listeners. I'll, I'll get into it later, but um, David's wife started listening to us. Yeah. And she's like, I thought that this podcast was just about hunting and bullshit and things I wouldn't be interested in. She's a fucking avid listener now. That's good. Tina, we saw Tina last night for family dinner. Mm -hmm. And Tina insisted on me. I listen to the podcast. Quit saying I don't listen to the podcast. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'm going to say that. But you know it's going to come out in like six weeks. Yeah. We got a bunch in the can. So you're going to keep hearing us talk shit about you not listening, even though you are. But, you know, we we do this stuff in the future. So calm down. So, yeah. So, okay, thank you for listening to us. One more. Uh, We appreciate you. And uh, since we broke into this Ezra Brooks with with Senior over here. Okay. One more time. Ezra Brooks with Senior over here. We will will keep this... uh, going with him so we will drink this the next time he's on the podcast and that way we drink the same thing and we're not jumping into new stuff without finishing stuff we're about halfway through this bottle so maybe maybe the next episode we can polish it off yeah we'll get there yeah i don't know we'll see you guys uh i don't know you'll hear from us soon yeah well and again like we said we've we've got a lot of stories with them we're gonna keep clipping them off here yeah so stay tuned for those and then in between you know some random shit that me and jack feel like talking about yeah good stuff so he's been senior. Yeah, you've been junior. I've been, I've been junior, <laughs> and I've just been Jared. Yeah, as always. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming. So uh, you guys have a good fucking day, you bunch of motherfuckers, <laughs> and uh, and we'll catch you on the next one.